Welcome back to the Section K Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am not your host, Caden Rutherford. He is on a bachelor party trip with his brother, Will. Will and Haley will be tying the knot later on this year, so big congratulations to them, and I'm sure they're having fun golfing up in Oregon. Looks pretty awesome up there. I am Cody Headland, and I am joined here today with Colburn Blue Larson via Skype from Ardmore. How's it going, buddy? Howdy, howdy. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Well, today is Tuesday, June 11th. And on today's episode, we talk about a little bit of Ardmore cutting that just got rolling. And we go to the Australian fraternity. We also talk about the 2019 PCCHA Core Balance Derby and Classic Challenge in Las Vegas, Nevada. Followed up by an interview that Caden and I did with uh, Tatum Rice. After the interview, Colburn and I discuss some of the horses that we were a part of when we worked for Tatum and he hauled in 2017. So, Colburn. How's it going in Ardmore? I saw the post on Cutting Horse Central saying that the entries are up in the open. How's it looking out there? Yeah, man. Uh, in Ardmore, there is a bunch of trailers here. I mean, it's it's that's awesome. It's pretty packed. Uh, from comparing it to uh, the Arbuckle that that's also here. I mean, there's there's trailers parked in sp- places that there was no trailers parked at during the Arbuckle, and. Well, uh, just pretty much mainly the open classes have went so far, and they had big numbers in them. So hopefully it's uh, good all throughout numbers-wise. Yeah, that's awesome. People are coming to cut, and this is going to give us some good insight on some of the leveling issues and situations that we have right now, um, just getting the leveling rolling. The Australian fraternity just wrapped up. Todd Graham was your champion. Aboard Hellish, March 219. Todd was also second on Hewitt's Metallic Millions, marking a 217. Um, I haven't really looked into the Australian fraternity that much. It's kind of really um, getting more popular with internet and social media. But um, Colburn, you and I were talking about their their facebook is i mean they're posting all kinds of stuff and and it looks like a pretty pretty good little show there i mean obviously it's their biggest one but for all the people uh that are on facebook thanks for and go and like their page on facebook it's uh i mean it keeps you up to date on cutting in australia not in the usa they have a well-run facebook for their page yeah, no, it's it's awesome to see the way they're promoting the cutting over there. And there were a couple pictures that showed the stands, and there was a lot of Pat. people attending. So they had a celebrity cutting, a um, bunch of other cool events. I think there's a snaffle bit class. Um, so that was pretty cool to keep up. I mean, obviously, they keep up with us over here. Um, so it was kind of cool to look back and, and just keep up with what's going on in Australia. There's familiar faces from – people that fly out here to show and or even even have horses out here with trainers that they come out and show at our NCHA events so it was uh it was really cool to see that the Australian fraternity looks like it's it's doing very well and and obviously I mean, it's been around forever we just over here in America we just haven't paid attention to it and with the advancements in internet and social media i think it's really cool that we get to keep up with all those guys over there Yep, and also a shout-out to all of the Australians listening to the Section K podcast. Yep, absolutely. I talked to Spud Sheehan's dad at the convention, and uh, we were just talking, and then Spud said, hey, this is uh, one of the guys on Section K. And Mr. Sheehan, Spud's dad, he asked me, he said, uh, he said, oh, you're the guys that interviewed my son. And I said, <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, yeah, we listen to you all the time, Mike. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty awesome. I mean – they came out for uh, Spud's Hall of Fame induction at the at the convention, so that was that was really cool to hear those things from from down under. The Core Balance Derby and Classic Challenge in Las Vegas, Nevada, Pacific Coast Cutting Horse Association, is going on right now as we speak, and boy, are the scores high! Oh my goodness, it is taking right now live action. We're recording on a Sunday afternoon. And it is taking a four thirty nine and one half to make what? to make the finals in the five six year old. That is a heck of a score and a heck of two scores actually. 
Uh, also live action, Grant Setnica is leading the five six year old open with a four forty nine on raisin kittens for the Better Root Ranch. And oh my goodness. These cows obviously are have been really good and the horses have been even better, apparently. Cody is the cattle usually known to being good at that show? Yeah, I mean, they're Mexican steers and, and you've been out to Rancho when when we were working for Tatum and, and when Mexican steers are good, man, they're good. Yeah. They like to play right in the middle of third of that arena and these horses obviously have been going all year. Your four year olds are seasoned, your five, six year olds are top notch and and these cows are looking like they're just perfect. And Pacific Coast puts on a good cutting. They're doing the leveling system as well. The entries are up, and these scores are up too. And we, we've talked about on the podcast in previous episodes that the South Point is, I mean, I think it's on the list of shows that you need to go to and experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you can go by the pool in between sets or whatever and and hang out there or sit in your room and and watch the stream on on the prefect channel in your room or go down and get a quick bite at the buffet i mean it's all right there and climate controlled stalls and facility it's bar none top notch it's on, an, it's on another level yes it is and on a lot a lot of things it, it's it's pretty cool that we're getting people are getting to show at a facility like that yeah, and Michael and Polygon, obviously they've owned cutting horses for a long time and put on cuttings for a long time, and they've always had a well-run operation. They uh, they're happy to see the cutters come in. They love being hospitable towards the cutters because they are cutters and they know they come from the same background that we do. So it's it's an awesome place to go cut, and I bet it is some good watching right now. Yes, sir. Quick update, live update, Sunday afternoon. Still recording this podcast. The bubble is currently at a 442.5 for the open five six year old at Vegas. Bananas. Wow. Just wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we now present you an interview with Tatum Rice, your most recent fraternity champion. Good friend of ours. Colburn worked for him for a little while. I've show helped for him, and, and he's been in my corner for the last couple years. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy this interview with Tatum Rice. This episode is brought to you by Equine Extreme Performance. EXP offers an all-natural, drug-free supplement built for the equine industry. They have built these products using cutting-edge technology to deliver the highest quality product available to you and your horse. How do they know it's right for your horse? Because EXP was designed by horsemen, and they understand what your horse needs. EXP relates to every aspect of your business, especially the health of your horse. EXP was designed by Hall of Fame trainer Matt Miller, who has won over $3.4 million in the cutting pin. Visit expequine.com and enter Section K at checkout to receive 10% off your next EXP order. That's promo code Section K to receive 10% off your next order at expequine.com. I'd like to introduce to you a man who joined an elite group to have won both an open world title and an open fraternity championship in the same year. He was your 2017 Open Super Stakes champion and most recently the Open Derby Reserve champion at the Breeders' Invitational riding crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tatum Rice. Tatum, thanks so much for inviting us over to T-Bar Cake Cutting Horses, letting us come hang out for a little while and chat with you. How are you doing today? I'm good. Happy to do it. Just finished up a busy NCHA convention, but before that had a long stretch up in Tulsa at the Breeders' Invitational. Obviously survived the tornadoes. What was your overall kind of thoughts of being in Tulsa before we kind of get into crazy? Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, there's a lot of good places to eat there. Um, it's they, they put on a good show. The tornadoes were kind of a little problematic at times but we didn't actually have one so we were we were lucky lots of snapchats of sirens and people thinking tornado (laughs) tornadoes were coming though that's a fact but yeah let's get into crazy kind of uh going into the into this show obviously coming off the super stakes what were kind of your thoughts and kind of your mindset going into the bi as a whole well i you know i wasn't very wasn't very happy after the super stakes um with how i had her prepared or how she performed or how I showed her. So I was kind of on a mission going into the BI. We 
we tried to make sure we were prepared for that show and you know we did some weekend cutting in Sweetwater and you know really wanted to to come there hopefully ready to to do well talk about your mindset a little bit going into the super stakes i mean obviously she's won the fraternity the ike the bonanza you're second at cattlemen's and then you go into the super stakes and obviously you and, and everybody else is thinking wow this, you know the triple crown it's something that we always think about every year so well the the super stakes was the first show really in a long time that i've felt any pressure and it showed in the way i showed um and it wasn't pressure that anything or anyone put on me other than myself but but i did kind of feel that just because all the other shows had gone so well and you know so then it was it was almost like i i told you know we weren't happy that we did did bad obviously but i told kylie afterwards it's i feel like it's going to be easier now and she's like why is that and i'm like well because we've had a we've had a big failure like we everything had gone so good up to this point now we've had a a big failure and it's like it's something that's you know still can happen with with any horse with with any record that you have and now you, it, it feels more normal now i guess uh, back to the same way you were kind of showing her beforehand pretty much yep we'll talk a little bit about crazy in general obviously you won the open fraternity i remember you're being first out and just came out and had a sizzling run in the open finals at the fraternity talk a little bit about her training obviously open reserve champion the year prior on her mother easy e raised by tatum's wife kylie and her parents kevin and sydney what what has this mare kind of been like to train and what is her and especially her mother kind of mean to you and your family well the she was not she was not very easy to train um i don't think she would have made the horse she has if we hadn't been hauling last year like she literally went to every yeah, she literally went to every cutting that that they have last year because I did. And not that she was mature at the fraternity, but she was a lot more mature than she would have been had she not done that. But she really, you know, she it was just the day before the fraternity that she kind of started actually settling in consistently, and I was was kind of happy with it. Like there'd be there would be times all year long where she would be good and then we'd have a couple of bad weeks where she was being wild or she was doing this or that but right before the fraternity she kind of got easy to work and and she stayed that way through you know for several for several months but as far as the as far as the fraternity itself i i don't really think i would have won the fraternity had i not been hauling that year um you know, showing showing a horse like like cash tags, you you just end up getting a lot of confidence. And not that I was necessarily doing all the right things or even any of the right things, maybe, but just almost you can almost cut any cow and still do really well. And you just kind of get this feeling that you're going to go in there and it's going to work out. So, and then again, I didn't feel any pressure showing her at the fraternity because I. You know, I was just—I was just gonna go show. She'd kind of, even though we we love her and we love the way she's bred and we loved her mother, I—I I didn't necessarily have those high expectations because she had been almost a project to to get trained. Uh, there was there was a period of about an hour and fifteen minutes when I thought I was gonna win the or I could win the fraternity on her, and that was I was so happy with her after the semi. She was good every round, but she was really good i thought in the semis and i left there thinking i've got a really good shot to win and so so do three or four or five other horses but when i by the time i got home and sat down and the draw was posted and i saw it was first i was like well i'm probably not going to win but i can have a good run i can get a good check and we'll go from there and even after i marked a 222 i still didn't think i was going to win for the next two and a half hours until that cutting was over so I didn't. I just didn't feel pressure. I was just showing my horse and letting it happen how it happened. Well, for me, going to the fraternity as many years as I have, I guess for the last 12 or 13 years, it seems like every year since you've turned your card in and really even in your non-pro days, I mean, you always have one in the fraternity finals or two. Um, did this year feel different at all? Uh, not necessarily, other than 
after the first round, I think I marked a 21 or 21 and a half. I don't remember, but um, there are a couple of people that told me that they thought I had the horse to win it on, which, you know, there's always talk about that, but um, I, that was nice to hear, but I didn't really let it, you know, get to my head, I guess. And seeing all these uh, fraternity finalists, what is something that, I mean, that's that doesn't happen just because, I mean, obviously it's hard work and, and good horses and good training, but what's something that you strive for every year? Is it to just have a fraternity finalist or – or, or I guess what goes into the mindset of, of making sure you have one in the fraternity finals? Well, you just you just have to work them a lot. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's really all it boils down to. And that's what I've always been around. And, you know, I think most of my family feels like the fraternity, or not just my family, most people feel like the fraternity is the most important show. And, you know, so you you just have to work those three-year-olds a lot and, and get them trained and and have them have them ready and as, as as solid and advanced as you can when you get there i think people don't realize how much that the seasoning and and taking them down the road really matures these horses because i mean obviously it's something that you've done for a long time and and uh it shows because you have all those fraternity finalists um, is that something that you believe helps your three-year-olds is hauling them down the road and, and making sure they go to these cuttings and get out and about and get used to stuff? Yeah, it does for sure. You know, I, you can get better works at home than what you can get on the road because you have fresh cows at home and and you can take your time and this and that. But on this, just like on this particular mare, I tried, I rode her in, I think it was the during the Derby finals last year, I took her in there and rode her, and I literally could not get her behind the judges' stands. And so that was obviously something that was going to be a problem. So at the next, all the rest of the shows uh, at West Texas, Idaho, Rancho, and Rancho is a really good one for it because you know how the tarps are over the judges' stands and, and, and things. I made her get back there and just get comfortable and trot around and just start to accept it. And even – you know, I, at the fraternity, I, I went in there early, like 4.30 the morning before it started and, and rode her around in there to just see if I could get her back there. And, and, she, and she did, but she still doesn't like it even to this day. So, uh, obviously, on this podcast, we would be silly not to talk about the great stud that you trained and, and showed and won the world on. Um, hashtags. Give us a brief description. I know you've done it at a lot of other places and had a lot of other interviews with hashtags, but give us a brief description of what that horse means to you and, and maybe what he taught you throughout his career. Well, you know, he, he means everything, really. He's he's the best one we've had. Um, he was much easier to train than crazy. You know, he, he just – it was a – cutting was easy for him, and – he wanted to do it so it just made a pretty good combination you know he had the natural ability and the the desire and the strength you know that was that like he didn't even know that we were doing that we were doing work I remember last summer when we were hauling and we were up in Calgary somebody said something to or something to me about about he looked fat and I'm like well I'm pretty happy with that I've got a five-year-old stud and we're hauling for the world and we hadn't missed an aged event yet and he's fat that means uh either us or him or somebody's doing something right yeah i remember that horse at the futurity seeing that venezuelan flag up there in the stands and every i mean your owners were pumped you were pumped and then going into the super stakes what were your kind of thoughts going into that cutting and obviously that's the second leg of the triple crown what did that win mean to you well that was my first win in Fort Worth, so it was obviously very, very special. And you know that was that was that was his first win. Also, we'd made some finals and had some good scores, but that was his first win. And you know he he probably I'm sort of going semi off topic, but he probably wasn't as prepared for the fraternity as he should have been. He only got to go to a couple of pre works because he'd gotten a little sore, and we had to give him some time off and. And he was, you know, he was fine by the fraternity, but he didn't get that really show pin exposure that you kind of like him to have before the fraternity. And then, 
the next thing that happened was I, I broke my ankle and and so I didn't get to, to ride him at several shows. RL showed him for me and, and did make some finals. But I kind of had to ease back into it when I started. And so the next time I showed him after the Turity was the Cattlemen's. And he wasn't – he was good. I, I think I marked 18s and 19s. And then I, I actually missed a cut in the finals. And, um, he you know, he wasn't – he wasn't ready to win right then. He was working good, but he wasn't ready to win. And I wanted to go, I wanted to go to a weekend cutting before the before the super stakes and show him. And I kind of made him hold some pretty tough cows, and and that it was a, it was at J five. And I felt like right then, I didn't even win that day. I marked four and a half, I think, and got second. But I I felt like right then he's he's ready, and we've got a shot to win the super stakes because I just kind of that was the first time I really asked him to, you know, do something that a mature horse kind of does and he you know he just worked I don't remember all the scores but he worked so well through the whole show he was really good in the semis I think I was either last or second to last in a set in the semis and he was I think he might have been either the only horse or one of two horses that made it out of that set so I I just felt really good you know going into the finals on him and and I'd been that was the that was the first year I hauled. That was when I was hauling easy, and I just was starting to kind of develop the mindset that you you can't necessarily win by trying to win. You kind of just have to let it happen, especially in the it's it's situational, you know. And and the 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 cows the night of the Super Stakes finals were were not very good, and that's kind of what you know you end up working cows that aren't very good sometimes on the weekends and learning to make the best of it and I I just kind of had that mindset and he took care of the rest well it's interesting to hear you say that about the 2017 super stakes and kind of letting win winning come to you because I was kind of in a similar situation at that cutting the cattle were awful and next thing you know kind of something falls into your lap so I can definitely relate to that talk a little bit about the hashtags limited partnership who that kind of consists of and what those guys are kind of like to hang out with oh they're good they're a lot of fun we just uh you know had the hall of fame induction induction we're all sitting at the same table um but that would be hunter menzer and his wife rusty simpson and his wife and jamie nell and his wife and they're you know they they love that horse and they've loved you know watching him and uh, now everybody's having babies hit the ground and everyone's excited about it. Yeah, I have one on the ground that I'm pretty pumped about and it was cool to hear you kind of talk about those three couples and how much they just love each other. I actually ran into them last summer up in Bozeman, Montana. They were just kind of on a group vacation. So cutting is not just the only part of their lives. They actually enjoy hanging out with one another when it's not cutting related. So it's kind of cool to see a horse partnership and a friendship kind of be one in the same. Obviously you were the 2018 open world champion, uh, on hashtags. Um, but I want to ask about the year before when you were second on easy E and what you kind of learned from showing her and hauling that year that you used the very next year and winning the world on hashtags. Hauling in 2017 was probably the most I've ever learned about showing in a short period of time it wasn't necessarily the year i learned the most about training but it was the year i learned the most about showing it's you know you i learned sort of how to how to win i guess and and learning how to win when i say that doesn't mean learning how to market 231 or 228 or whatever but it's like i said before it's it's all situational when you're showing head-to-head -head with Austin Shepard on some pretty ranked cows. Learning how to win might be that he's already shown in front of you and maybe maybe he didn't do well. So now all you really have to do is have a clean run, but you know these cows are ranked and all you need to do is mark a 73, but you still have to you know do that and execute that. Or it could be that he went in there and had a really good run, marked 76, and now you need a, need a seven. And you have to try to figure out how to do that, but you have, you know, you have to, you have to understand if it's even possible right then, based on how the cows are and, you know, how your horse is actually working, and just make the best of every situation that you can. Um, you know, used to I thought trying to win was, you know, just 
going really fast, kicking really hard, and doing a lot of crazy stuff, but that's not necessarily the, the case. It's uh, it's more situational and knowing if it's even possible in the in that situation. Um, but, yeah, in, in that year I learned a lot showing against Austin, showing with Austin. So to really to answer the original question, though, uh, uh, Austin wouldn't give me any advice in 17, which is understandable, but he gave me he gave me quite a bit in 18, and he's actually the one that was encouraging me to haul last year. I, you know, I set out kind of saying I didn't want to haul again, and we just did it, and it was stressful. And but I wanted to go to all the age events I could, and I had the intention of showing in all the Mercurius I could on hashtags, and you know, it it was it was going good, and. Uh, Austin kept on telling me, you need to haul him. You can win it if you haul him. And and so, you know, one thing led to the next, and he kept he seemed to keep getting better and better every time we went down there. So it was kind of a no-brainer, you know. we uh, It only makes sense to do it. And that year before taught me so much about showing um, and, and kind of gave me the, the confidence. And that – and hashtags was a horse that was easy to be confident on. You know, it was. I, I started thinking last year that I was doing a really good job picking cows, and then I realized no, it doesn't really matter what you cut. You he can he can hold the fastest one in here, and he looks good on the softest one. So you're it's not really you, it, it's him. But but it, I'll put it this way: I I don't think even as good as that horse is, I don't think I would have won the world last year if I hadn't have hauled as hard as I did and been second the year before. So with the convention just wrapping up this past weekend at the Marriott in North Fort Worth, Texas, we'd be crazy not to ask you with the turnover in the NCHA office, kind of what your thoughts were overall at the this year's NCHA convention, Tatum. You know, I, th- I thought it went pretty good overall. Every, it seemed to have a pretty positive vibe to it, and I felt like most everyone, if not everyone, was impressed by the new staff. You know, Kirk is – I think Kirk's doing a really good job, and he's going to, you know, be – he's just kind of getting his feet wet right now, but going to be settling in and looking for where to take us, and he's got some good folks working under him, and I feel like everybody's pretty excited about it. And you are currently serving on the EC or executive committee. Uh, tell us a little bit about what – that in not necessarily entails but what does it mean I mean it's basically a volunteer job so what is it what do you have to cut out and and how much time do you have to devote to being an EC member well um it's it's taken quite a bit of time the last couple years I I think it's going to take less now that we have we have Kirk in there handling things but it's it's taken a lot of time you know it's been a it's been a rewarding experience, even though it's not always enjoyable. But I've really, I've probably learned more than I've contributed being involved. Um, but it's, it's a good, it's a good experience. And what was the reason that you um, put your name in the hat to be elected an executive committee member? Um, Matt Miller would not quit talking about it, so I just finally did it. <laughs> He's a talker. Yeah, he yeah he loves to talk. He talked me into it and convinced me that I needed to, and that was why I did. But I guess I really wasn't involved at all. I was on the limited age committee. I, I think I was the vice chair. But we're sitting at the Cattlemen's one day, and Matt Gaines and Matt Miller were talking about, you know, NCHA stuff, and they happened to tell me I needed to be a director. And I said, well, what's a director do? And, you know, they kind of described that role to me. And I said, okay, so I, I put my name in. I don't remember if it was that year or the next, and, and I got elected. And then, you know, a few years later, there we were and uh, ended up on the EC. But, it, you know, you need to – we all need to be as involved as we can and need to give back and need to help. And you end up with a better – the more you the more you get involved and help out, you end up with a better understanding of what all's going on and why it's going on. So what are some things that you think we could do as a group or individually to help the NCHA as a whole or help grow the sport of cutting as a whole? Well, you know, for one, we've got a really good staff right now, and we need to stay out of their way and trust them. You know, there's nothing wrong with offering suggestions, but 
you know, we, we somehow always end up in this mind frame that the, the staff is bad guys and the executive committee's bad guys and they're doing all these things to, like, intentionally bad. That, and that's, that's not the case. You know, it's, and it's pretty easy to just ask, why did we do that? You know, it, you don't have to put it on Facebook to find out. There's, there's ways to find out what's going on. And, and maybe it was something that didn't turn out good, but I, you, can, you can be guaranteed it was with a good intention in the first place. You know, and folks have to it's – hard, it's hard to understand looking at the entire picture until you've actually had to do it. You know, it, we all think about what, what we need, and that's fine. That's, that's human nature, you know. I like having a show a mile and a half away at Silverado, and we all have our own little things that we like and that we fall into, but at the end of the day, the NCHA is not mine and it's not yours and it's not Cody's. It's, it's everyone's, and you, the, all the decisions that are made have to be made to be the best for, for everyone as a whole, even if, you know, if, even if it's not the best for me. I've had to vote on a lot of things that – were not what I wanted for me, but it was what was the best for for everyone. So I guess the to be open-minded and and don't be negative. Don't believe all the bad stuff you hear, and try to find out the good stuff. That's that's sort of what we need to do to help. Now we'd like to reinstall a little segment that we've done in the past called Questions from the Cow Box. Yee yeah, yee. Yeah. Um, Tatum, tell us your favorite cutting memory of you in the saddle. We've already talked about plenty of them on this podcast, this episode today, but tell us one that sticks out in your mind. My favorite is probably the 233 on hashtags at Idaho in the Mercuria Finals, um, winning that. It's it's funny you say that because I feel like we see a lot of big runs in the Mercuria Finals, and, and, I mean, Matt Gaines was one of them that had went viral, and your run certainly on hashtags had went viral. Um, Talked – Talk a little bit about a viral run that, I mean, there's a lot of people that were on Facebook that saw that run and, and people come up to you that you don't even know and say, hey, I remember watching that run. What, is that, what does that mean to you? You know, it's just a lot of fun and it makes you really proud for your horse and, and it's, you know, good exposure for the horse, good exposure for our, for our industry. The, you know, that – I kind of had a plan, and I knew that I knew that the horse was working good right then. And I, you can't say I knew I had good cows picked. We thought we had good cows picked, and we went and cut them, and and they were they were good. And so it, you know, it just uh, worked out, and was like I say, a lot of fun. What about a favorite cutting memory, spectating, or maybe helping somebody? So one of my favorites was when Kylie won Rancho on Dual Lights, the non-pro Mercuria. She marked a 2.28. She, you know, she was. We were trying to get make the World Finals that year, and when she when she won that, that kind of did that for us. We weren't trying to win the world or anything. Just wanted to make the World Finals, gain the experience, and teach her how to show. So when she when she won Rancho, that kind of made us not have to really focus on that the rest of the year we were kind of able to slow down and focus on the three-year-olds and you know she had a really good run and it was just a lot of fun for for both of us and you know and and for the horse and then another one would be when my dad won every round of the world finals on CR Sunrays which I I don't think had been done before I could be wrong but I don't I don't think it had and it and it hasn't been done since then um but that was you know i was helping both of them obviously and that was just a a lot of fun to be involved in you know and there you know there's several more taryn went in the fraternity time with ronnie then chiquita pistols whole career really you you can't hardly narrow it down to one but the fraternity probably the most special and then following it up with the triple crown at the derby and then another one was you know helping rl win the win the world on a little bossy so those were all, you know, really anytime you're helping somebody and you feel like there's a lot on the line, a lot of pressure and a lot of, uh, you know, it's just a, something that's really important to all of us. It's something that you're going to remember forever. You're probably going to remember it whether it works out or whether it doesn't, but uh, those are just fun memories to, to have. So you worked for 
tag for a number of years. Your, your dad is the world's greatest horseman, Boyd Rice. Um, so obviously they they've been a lot of strong mentors. Talk to us some about them or even some other people that you've learned from along the way. Well, you know, those two and then plus Ronnie have probably had the most influence on me. But, it, you know, I saw – maybe I heard it on a podcast or I saw it on Facebook or something. But you got to remember the person that taught you how to saddle a horse. You know, that's way back in the beginning. And that was that was how Dad was. That's We got – Taryn and I both got all the basics from him, the horsemanship and the work ethic and just, you know – probably too many little bitty things to explain that I probably take for granted don't even realize I'm doing but that that all came from him you know but then I worked for tag for a long time and learned a lot from Ronnie also but there's you know there's just so many there's so many people that that have helped me you know um you know I work with RL all the time and he's he's helped me a lot he's he's always the one that about the time you think you have one working good, he tells you, no, it's too short to the left or it's doing this or it's doing that. And, you know, Spud's helped me a lot. Um, he helped me a few years ago to get a better pattern on my horses, or at least I'm supposed to be doing that. And, you know, then that, that year I spent with Austin on the road, watching him work, watching him show, that that was uh, very beneficial too. But, you know, there's – I've had so many people work my three-year-olds or watch my three-year-olds or whatever. And, you know, from, I mean, I, I hate to even say, cause I'm going to forget somebody cause there's been so many, but Lloyd and Phil and Sean and Johnny and Roger Wagner. I mean, the list can go on forever of all the people that have, you know, somehow contributed. And, you know, you, to me, it's, you just kind of got to soak it all up and, learn every you can't try to be just like anybody because we're all different but you gotta try to soak up everything you can from from every from everybody that you can so what's it mean to you to be a member of a family like the rice family i mean what what that name carries a whole lot of weight in this industry and whether it's you and your brother working horses all day or your mom miss honey Haley rice going and getting food or getting horses ready for your dad or babysitting the kids what's it mean to be a part of a family where cutting is y'all's life and and cutting is what you guys wake up and think about every single day well I mean I guess it it feels good but you know that's just that's just what we do we we just like it and you like the you like competing you like the horses you like you know showing and training them it gives you a good feeling to know that you taught this horse something that you took a from a horse that either knew nothing or not very much or whatever, depending on when you started riding it, to to a horse that you can go in there and potentially win on or make the finals on. It's just a it's just a good feeling. I think that's why everybody keeps doing this is because you hope your you hope your next one's your best one, and that's what makes you keep on doing it from one year to the next. What is your favorite place to show? Out of all the millions of places that you've been to show. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think anyone can really argue that the best quality shows we have are in Fort Worth. And that's where, you know, it's just got quite an atmosphere to it and a lot of history there. But um, I really love going to Calgary. That's a, that's a fun show. There's a huge crowd. It's a, you know, just totally different environment than what we have down here. And it's during the, during the rodeo. During the chuck wagon races, you can participate in all that, and and the weather, you know, it's it's in July, so it's really hot down here. Good time to get out of out of Texas, and you know, up there in Canada, it'll be it'll be 72, and somebody will walk up, and they're they're like pretty hot, eh? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you ought to come to Fort Worth. <laughs> what is your favorite meal during the show? Whether it's sitting at the fifth wheel eating. Eating a meal or, or going out? Uh, you know, I, I probably eat a lot of Mama Monica's during the shows, and that's really good during the day, you know. But if I ever had a chance to get away, I'd go to Pacific Table or Silver Fox, something like that probably. What kind of music are you bumping on the way to a show, or what are you listening to when you're working horses in the indoor? 
you know, I can listen to about anything except for uh, modern country. I don't like it. But probably Pop Rocks or Z100, Prime Country, the Garth Channel, any of that. Fox News. Shout out Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> and what are your some of your hobbies away from the cutting pin? I don't really have many of those, but I do uh, really like playing Texas Hold'em. I haven't in a long time, but I, I really enjoy that. And I actually like to cook. Um, so that's that's really about it. Going swimming with Kennedy, I guess, would be another one. But that's really that's really all I do. What's Tatum cooking up in the kitchen? Uh, I don't know what my favorite would be. Um, we're having steaks tonight. Typical uh, horse Kylie, trainer answer. Kylie loves, Kylie loves uh, beef bourguignon. Kennedy actually, one of her favorites is crab, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I like to cook a lot of different things, and, and I like most of it. So, Tatum, thanks so much for having us out to T-Bar K Cutting Horses in Weatherford, Texas. Um, thanks so much for sitting down with us and kind of sharing some stories and some experiences from your cutting career. We cannot thank you enough, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming. Yep. Best of luck the rest of the year on Crazy. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tatum. This episode is brought to you by Brazos Valley Stallion Station. The roster of stallions at Brazos Valley Stallion Station, located in Stephenville, Texas, is shaping the performance horse world with its unique stallions representing the cutting, cow horse, roping, and barrel racing industries. The skill and experience of the entire staff in the one-of-a-kind facility provide a vital center to ensure your breeding success. For a complete listing of stallions and more information, visit BrazosValleyStallionStation.com or like their page on Facebook, Brazos Valley Stallion Station, LP. We hope you enjoyed Tatum's interview. Uh, I know I did. Getting to know Tatum the last couple years and, and having him help me has been a blessing. I've enjoyed it, and it's helped me a lot become a better showman and a better horse trainer. Um, even though I am a non-pro, I still do train my own horses. So, But, yeah, it, it was super awesome to sit down and, and listen to Tatum. I, I know being around him, and, and you probably remember this CBL, He's there's always people that have, have been around, and, and you could tell he's he's learning from them or he's he's listening to them. They're helping him with his horses or, or whatever. Bo and Wesley Galleon were ones that I know he didn't say them on the podcast, but I remember him mentioning those guys to me before, and, and it's, it's just how this business is. I mean, everybody helps everybody out. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things we see on every one of these trainers that comes has come on here and done an interview with us. We see that they they have multiple mentors. It's not just one person or it's not just two people. They've they've grown up in the business and they've learned from a whole bunch of different people. And it's just cool to listen to these trainers, pay respects and and talk about the people that have helped make them who they are we worked for tatum you worked for him uh for about six or eight months i think it was and and i show help for him and we talked about that already but what are some of your favorite you know runs or shows that you remember while we were hauling that year in 17 with easy you know so when i when i started working for tatum was when he went on the fall run and when hashtags was four and he was hauling easy e for the world so that entire trip for me was something that I'll remember for the rest of my life just because I've never done got to do that or experience it and and I mean I wasn't even I didn't even show the entire time and so it was just nearly getting to witness someone hauling a horse for the world but also someone having a spectacular 4-year-old you know really at at the time when we were leaving Amarillo I didn't know that much about hashtags you know when we went to Idaho I didn't get to watch him show hashtags there he just I think he he led going into the finals and then he won it and I'm like dang this is this got to be a pretty dang nice horse and then when we went to Rancho I was dead set on I didn't care what I was doing I was going to make sure I was in there for the first go to watch Tatum show that horse just there at El Rancho I think he marks 22 23 the first go and I mean just 
as pure as can be. And then the second goal goes in there and marks, what, what was it, 20, 25, I think, maybe? Yeah, it was, yeah, he was it, amazing that whole trip. And then in the finals, you, you, like, after all three of those runs, you thought, or I thought to myself, like, you can't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. And then the next go-round goes, and it was better than that. And you, you say, well, he can't do any better than that the next go because it's so good. Mm-hmm. And then the finals, I think he marks a uh, 27, 228, somewhere around there. Uh, but the one of the coolest things for me was when we got back to T-Bar-K's, that was the first time I got to watch Tatum work hashtags. That horse, when the first time he worked and when he got back to T-Bar-K after that long trip, He's licking his lips, just I mean, Loving just like that. yes, it, that that horse is maybe will be the best horse that I will ever be around, in my opinion. Like I think I think a lot of that horse. You know, there, I mean, there's just so many times I or I can't ever think of a time where I ever walked into his stall and he ever pinned a, a, an ear back at you or anything. You know, Tatum. I mean, every day watching. T- Tatum worked that horse. I mean, Tatum was on his A game every single time. Like, I mean, it was unreal. But so was that horse. So he that horse knew when he went in to get work that it was it was go time. Like it was business time. Yeah, I think that goes along with what Tatum said about you know he thought he was picking really good cows last year when he was hauling him for the world and and he said no, I don't think I'm really necessarily picking the best cows because this horse looks good on any cow and it and it's kind of the same thing like you're saying like he's just went in there every time whether he was working or 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 showing and and it just seemed like he was he was ready he was on his a game he's ready to go he's ready to show well i remember seeing him early on and then seeing the same thing you were seeing and for me it was so cool because like tatum said listening to him talk about how he wasn't really ready to win at the super stakes even though right before the super stakes at Graham and then he came out and was phenomenal the whole time at the super stakes. I remember being there and watching all that and, and then to watch him, you know, rattle off three in a row with Amarillo, Idaho and Rancho. And just, just like you're saying every time, just be better than he was the, the time before that. And it's, it, it was just super cool. And then, and then to have Tatum, you know, a guy that helps me, and is in my corner when I show and watching him do that it, it it helped me as well just watching how calm and cool he walked down there every time another and it's at the same show that he had all the the big runs on hashtags but in the Mercuria finals easy on, that was I was just about to mention on this run easy that live because I I'll watch that that run on my phone and it's just it's not the same Mm-hmm. Because live and watching that run, that was a hard, hard, hard run. So hard, and she and was so it, awesome. Yeah, never missed just, a beat. No, and getting down in the ground, and and you watch it, you watch it on your phone, and you're kind of like, man, that doesn't. I, I don't, I don't remember it being this that slow, and I, I it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, at that all. was a hard run, and it yeah. was a good, good run. Mm-hmm. What what's a show or uh, a run on hashtags or EZE that that you remember the most? Because I mean, you you got you got to see a lot even more than I did, really. Yeah, I was I was actually going to say that run in the Mercuria finals at Rancho when he won the Mercuria. Um, she was so awesome there, and and he was awesome. They cut good cows she gathered them up every single time and it was right in the heat of the of the world world championship race and he was needing to do well and he did i i mean there was there that mare amazed me so much all throughout that year because i had to get her ready for tatum some and also rl when tatum had broke his leg and just watching from what I knew that mare through the age events to watching how mature she got that year when he hauled was just, it was so cool to me because when she, when he showed her in the age events, she was always that hard luck 
horse. Like she would have a good run or have heck in the first round and then turn around and, and win the go in the second round, make the finals, and then have bad luck again. And it just always seemed like a cycle. Then to watch her mature to where she was on target and perfect pretty much every single time she walked down there. One of the runs that I remember specifically that we haven't talked about, though, and it wasn't even with Tatum riding her, was when RL was showing her, I took her to Hamilton for Tatum and Kylie and got her ready for RL to show, and it was a huge open over there, a bunch of good horses, and I think we drew up in the third set of the open. Pretty good draw, and RL went out there and cut three perfect cows and marked 77. And I, I'll never forget sitting next to John Wold, and he said that right there was a run. And that was the start for me of of enjoying that mare, whether I was getting her ready or watching her, because that's when I felt like she just got to the point where she was like, I know my job, and I'm going to go down here and do it every single time. It, it, I mean, at, at the, the weekend level, it just she – and I don't know how many Tatum actually had on her, but, I mean, she just was like – she was a 75, 76 horse. Every time. Just just go in there and trap the cow in the middle, but going far enough across the pin where she's going and having to stop and re- read a cow really good. And I mean, now he's he does not showing her now, and then got a baby out of her that's a freak of nature. Yeah. And I I got to watch that horse quite a bit at the beginning of his three year old year, and I mean I don't I don't know what tatum thought but i i didn't believe at that time that she was gonna be what she is like mm-hmm. tatum had had it was had her trained and everything was going right but i did not see this freak that uh, i mean this horse that is just so fast and can stop on a dime and is cowie one four cuttings and good. then second at two and <laughs> yeah yeah no i I agree, man. It's 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 been awesome to one be a small part of it, and also two just to watch it as a spectator and as a friend and a fan that enjoys cutting. Yeah, and you know, with with hashtags and me, like I I literally had very little to do with that horse, other than I was the one driving. Like yeah. I, I mean, Kylie rode the horse. There's, I mean, I got one time. I got the opportunity to lope him at the house, and I was absolutely thrilled to do it. But, I, I mean, really, all of that with hashtag, I mean, I was like a spectator, but just with an amazing view to get to witness all of it. Because, yeah. I, and, 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 I mean, the one thing that sticks out in my mind is just how good of a horse he was to be around and handle and, and, and take him taking them places where i mean you go especially a horse like him that was getting handled so much going from the breeding farm getting showed all the time you go in a stall and that sucker's like what's up dude how you doing yeah i'm i'm i remember going to south dakota that year that was our first trip when we left amarillo and we're out in the middle of this ranch three thousand acre ranch and there's open country everywhere and and all horses get fresh in those situations and and he was just like yeah no it's cool and he he enjoyed it, but it, it it was no big deal to him, and and he just acted like the same hashtags that that we knew and and had to take care of, and and that was I I totally agree, that was another cool thing to experience because he was so well mannered and well behaved, and I mean there's some I think at shows sometimes there would be times that there would he would make some noises and it would sometimes to the naked eye would look like, oh, wow, that's a steady horse. But it, I mean, absolutely was not the case. No, that was that's just such natural. A, it was, he is such a good, pure-minded horse. And, you know, I have all the faith in the world that that's going to be a good breeding horse. Just, just being around that horse, I just have, I have no doubt in my mind that, that that horse is supposed to be, to leave a legacy on the NCHA. Yep, and we got to interview Tatum on the podcast, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, the wowzers, man. <laughs> well, thank you again to Tatum for taking some time out and just letting us pick his brain and, and telling us some cool stories about hashtags EZE and, and what's made him Tatum Rice. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, now we're going to bring you some fun stuff. We've talked about cutting. We've talked about hashtags and Tatum Rice and world champions. And But now we're going to have a little fun. Uh, we've both put together a couple movie lists of our favorite movies. Top four, right? Keyword on our. <laughs> but, yeah, so we put together a couple lists of some movies that uh, we like and, and you guys should go watch. So. Anyways, most people have seen. Um, hopefully, hopefully. So, what do you got, CBL? Yeah. Well, this is in no particular order, but Saving Private Ryan is a very good action movie. This one is. I don't expect a lot of people to have watched this movie, but it's a, a spinoff of the Major League series, but it's back to the minors. I have probably watched that movie, I would probably say, 30 to 40 times. I absolutely, absolutely love that movie. It's definitely a, a classic. And then I have two movie series that I, I couldn't leave off, and that's the Lord of the Rings series and Batman the Dark Knight series. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. I almost put the Lord of the Rings in my top four because I was a huge fan of those when the, they were coming out or when they came out. Well, and and realistically, the Lord of the Rings paved the way for for one of your favorite yep. series on HBO, Game of Thrones. And I haven't seen a single minute of a single episode, <laughs> but I I mean, plenty of people have told me that if you like Lord of the Rings, that you'll yeah. love Game of Thrones. And yeah. I mean, you're one that. You've told me to watch it forever, and I just never have and never got into it. And it's probably good because I'll probably do nothing for about three days and just binge watch the whole well, thing. Well, it's going to take you longer than three days. I can promise you that. <laughs> I guess you don't know how I binge watch then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Cody, what is your top four? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go backwards, starting from number four, and, and leave the suspense so you guys can try to figure out if you know what number one is. Number four, one of the funniest movies, I think, of all time. The The sequels were definitely not as good, but but they definitely hit hit the ball out of the park with The Hangover. The first Hangover was probably one of the greatest, funniest movies uh, that I can remember. And, and, I mean, that's a sentiment that I know from people all around that I've talked to about it. Number three, Shawshank Redemption. Number two, Remember the Titans. Number one, Forrest Gump. Damn. That's more so of a Mount Rushmore than mine. <laughs> mine were just personal favorites. Well, they are definitely my personal favorites. No, but they're I know, also, I know. They're because also they're legit movies they're that good movies. everybody yeah. loves. And if you Forrest, watch a lot of movies, you know, listening to or hearing your list, that those are legit freaking movies. Forrest Gump, to me, is just a timeless classic. I mean, it was... It was so, I mean, it was hilarious because of the way he talked and, and the way he acted. Well, and it's one of those movies that, like, you're flipping through the channels and it ha happens to be on TNT or TBS. Like, doesn't matter what part of the movie it's in. Every time. You're going to get glued. Select. To the yeah. I'm here for the rest of this. <laughs> I'm busy. And then I had to, I had to put Remember the Titans in, on there because it was... Also, one of the, the timeless classics of, I mean, a, a time in the world when there's segregation and they basically all got brought together just over a game of football. And it, so, was, it was just awesome. So, I would, my favorite football movie, I wouldn't pick Remember the Titans. I would pick Friday Night Lights. To be completely honest, when I first started this list, it was m mainly compiled of sports movies. And I thought, no. You need to look like you have a little bit more uh, <laughs> going on than just watching sport movies all the time. So, but then I did get to thinking that it's almost it, it doesn't matter what kind of sport movie it is, whether it's a football, a baseball, a basketball one. Sports movies are undefeated, literally. Amen. Because there's so much drama, but then there's always a reward at the end and and they're they're always just great stories. And I mean from Coach Carter to Glory Road, Friday Night Lights. I didn't even think about that one. And then you get into the funnier ones where you got the replacements or, or the longest yard. And 
sports movies are just the best. But I didn't want to sit here and just read off four sports movies because I thought that would be boring. Well, if you've been paying attention to our Facebook lately, we had a little small contest with our last episode, the Lloyd Cox interview, and we asked you guys to comment your favorite episode. CBL is going to pick the winner, and he's already done so, and you're going to hear it first on the Section K podcast right now. Yeah, and the first thing I would like to say here is we get these numbers on how many people are listening per episode, and I can promise you there's more than 10 people. So on Facebook, when we do that, come on, guys. Give us a little bit more love. We need a little help here. We got 10, and they were they all gave great, great answers. But my man, Justin Richardson, one of these days, you're going to hear him on the radio singing his heart out. Yep. Justin Richardson is the winner of the Section K ball cap. There was plenty of good answers, though, and, and we appreciate everybody commenting and just staying, staying in tune. And, and listening and interacting with our podcast. That's how we're going to grow. Like CBL said, we need you guys to comment. And we need you guys to, you know, just interact with us. Yeah, inter- yeah, interact with us. and Positively. And, yes, we're all about positivity people. here. <laughs> with that being said, why don't you guys go ahead and email us your movie list. And we'll read them on the show. So we can get a little bit more interaction with our guests. Get and to know you guys a little bit. we can get one of you people out there to send in an email of that list. I, I'm, I'm believing in 15 people will do it. You listening right now, you be one of those 15 people to email in and tell us your list. Yes, please. Speaking of emails, quick shout out to Matt Anderson from up in Canada. He sent us a really nice email and just thanking us for having a podcast and having a place to listen about cutting and and everything that's involved with it. So we just wanted to take a second to shout out Matt Anderson from the great north up there in Canada. You're our the nor- man. Our northern friends, we appreciate you. And thanks for listening. And make sure you tell your buddies about us. That's going to wrap it up for today, folks. We appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you guys send in your movie lists. Make sure you guys look for us on Facebook. And Instagram, Section K Podcast. Make sure you hit us in the emails, sectionkpod at gmail.com. Yep. So, I'd like to thank you for listening to my first time hosting the Section K Podcast. Appreciate CBL calling in on Skype and uh, taking time out of his busy day up there at the Non-Pro in Ardmore. And we look forward to... Talking to y'all next week. We'll be back in action. The crew will be back, ready to go, and bring you another episode of the Section K podcast. Adios. Thank you, guys. <laughs>